the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, all right. Welcome to the Passion Church. I think I recognize just about everybody. If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Guy Sheffield. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews, the ninth chapter. And while you're turning there, (coughs) I'll give you, tell you a little story. I guess I was probably 18, 17, 18 at the time. Me and my little brother Heath, six years my junior, we went duck hunting. A lot of times... In Mississippi, they got these windy bayous and stuff. And it was, I remember it being a really cold day. And it was crisp kind of day. You know, when you breathe, the, the air would sting your lungs. It was so cold. And, and often we would get on these bios that would meander through some little uh, acreages of land. And, and he would get on one side and I'd get on the other. And, and we'd take turns going first and, and flushing out the wood ducks or the mallards who, if there might be any on the bow, and they would fly over one of us, and we'd take a shot at them, you know. But this particular day, we had to walk on the same side because there was no way to get around to the other side. And, and we walked for a good distance, and I don't remember how many ducks we shot. That's not part, important to the story. But I remember by the time we were getting back near the truck, we were just wore out, you know, and there was a light sweat underneath our clothes from walking. But it was so cold, we knew if we stopped, it was going to, like, freeze up, you know. And... I remember just being, even as a young man, it took a lot to wear me out back then, but, but I remember as we got, even with the truck, on the other side of the bow, and knowing that the bridge was a couple hundred yards down and we'd have to go across the bridge to get back to the truck, I said, Heath, let's just go across right here, across the bow. He said, you're crazy, I'm going to the bridge. Well, I wasn't going to let that little knucklehead stop me. So I said, well, you do what you want to do. And so I went on down to the water, and I stuck my uh, big old rubber boot in there, and I, I pulled, that, you know, they were the kind of boots that would, they could fold down, but you could raise them up because often we'd shoot a duck, and they'd fall in the water, and you had to wade out there a little bit to get them. So we had what you call waders, and they'd come up to about right here. And I started getting out there in that water, and soon I didn't take long before I realized why my dad had gave me his old waders, because they had like little pinholes in them. And I could feel just stinging cold water trickling down my leg and worming its way to the end of my boot and giving me little toe sickles, you know. It's like, ooh. <laughs> but I would said, I'm going to get there before Heath does, you know, because I, I looked back and he was gone. He was going around to the bridge. And so I was wading out there, and I got about halfway out there, and the water started getting up to the top of my things. And I said, man, maybe I need to turn around. And then the wind started blowing, and, and started coming some waves, and a little bit went over one boot. I thought, ooh, and I'm like, and it, the ground was starting to get mushy and unsure, you know. And I said, I need to turn around, and I was just about to turn around, and I heard some noise up at the truck, and I looked, and Heath was already at, back at the truck. Well, I wasn't going to let that happen. <laughs> so I said, all right, here I go, and I started trying to go across there, and that's when it happened. 
I hit a hole, a sinkhole of some sort, and just went completely underwater. And I did like this right here and held my daddy's shotgun above the water, but it was the only thing above the water. And it looked like a periscope up there, he said, above the water. <laughs> and it was. Now, my question to you is, do you think I lived to tell this story? I'll tell you later. Right now, hopefully, you've already made it to Hebrews chapter 9. It's in there. Hebrews chapter, well, you've got a defective phone. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Brother uh, Chad mentioned that uh, Dean Camper went home to be with the Lord last night, about 8 o'clock, and uh, I had visited him. Me and Cedric went and visited him about 6.30. Me and Cedric had seen him a couple times this week at the hospital, and Chad went with me once. And uh, I don't know the whole story. Miss Becky would probably tell it better, but I, I understand that she heard that he had lung cancer, and uh, she went to visit him, and then his living conditions weren't all that good, and, and he was really not being taken care of medically or whatever, or how he should have been taken care of. He was at later stages of lung cancer. So I understand you, you got him and, and took him to the hospital, even though he didn't have any insurance, I guess he was scared to go to the hospital because he didn't have insurance, but he, he what? Oh he, oh, he had something, but he just didn't go. But uh, anyway, she got him admitted to the hospital through hospice. And, uh, and that right there is, is love in action. I mean, as Rocky would say, that's how loving's done. Right there, somebody who cared enough, to, she heard that a brother was down and she went to visit him she told told me about him and and then she on her own took him to the hospital because he was pretty much suffering when i saw him in the hospital even under pain medicine he was he was suffering and he was uh digressing slowly but uh this last time i went yesterday afternoon about six o'clock or five thirty um i came in and, and there was this male nurse and he was shaving him and uh and I, he kind of turned around and said, oh, y'all come on in. He said, uh, I promised him I would give him a shave. He wanted me to shave him. And he was clearly out of it at this point. He, he wasn't responsive. And so I, I thought that was nice of him to go on and do what he had promised to do. And, and I come to find out that this male nurse had, had befriended Dean. And he started telling me stories. And he showed me a little uh, plaque that the, I think it was the hospital gave him uh, because of being a veteran. And uh, Dean apparently told him some of his stories about Vietnam, how he was the shortest one in the platoon, so they would send him in the foxholes to dig out Charlie. <laughs> and can you imagine what kind of courage it would take for a man to go into a little tunnel in the ground in the darkness, knowing that there's people down there that could be with guns or flamethrowers or whatever they had over there? Uh, so he was a, a courageous hero for the United States of America. The guy told me a story he said a couple days ago that the, early in the morning, one morning the sun came up and the sun was shining through the hospital room and Dean remarked that uh, that's nothing compared to the sun I'm going to be seeing here so shortly. So he knew where he was going 
And that's good. James 4.14 says, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. You know, sometimes it's easy to bury our head in the sand and pretend that death is something that only happens to other people. But it became real to me, and as it usually does at funerals and such. Or, but seeing Dean, you know, yesterday, uh, it just reminded me that death is, is a real deal. And it's going to happen to all of us if Jesus tarries. Uh, we all have that appointment It's appointed to man once to die, and then the judgment. So tonight's message is entitled, Don't Be an Ostrich. Can anybody tell me what ostriches do? They stick their head in the sand, and they act like it ain't happening. But I'm I'm not going to try to get you in fear about death. I just want you to be aware so that you can prepare. That makes sense? Because, you know... We don't want to stick our head in the sand about a real deal that the Bible tells us is true. And if you listen to Hebrews 9.27, and if anybody in here feels a little fear when they hear that, it's appointed a man wants to die, and then the judgment, uh, let me ask you, which part scares you? The dying or the judgment? <laughs> That was good, that was good. You know, there's the story of uh, the rich man and Lazarus uh, that Jesus told. Lazarus was this uh, poor beggar, and he was sitting outside this rich man's gate, and and his uh, poor condition, he was begging for food and so forth. Apparently, this rich guy was not much of a a godly fellow because he had no regard. He had everything that he needed. He lived sumptuously, whatever that means. Uh, He had plenty to eat, but he wouldn't so much as spare some food for the beggar outside. And it came to pass that both of these men died. And one, Lazarus, the poor fellow, he went into a place called Abraham's bosom, or he went to paradise. And the rich man went to Hades, a place of the dead, uh, reserved for the ungodly. Now, I'm not going to get into a bunch of theology about this, but apparently Hades is a place, was a waiting place for, and it may still be a waiting place for those who have died without Christ or who have died without God, ungodly. And uh, we'll talk about what happens to them later. But uh, you remember Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I believe paradise was part of Hades, but, but since Jesus has come, now it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I believe believers go immediately to be in the presence of the Lord. But the dead who die without Jesus could still possibly be in a place called Hades. And it's... As you see from the story I'm about to tell, it could, it could be a place of torment and a, or a place until they go and die their second death and go to a place called hell. If that makes any sense, I don't want to confuse you any further. <clears throat> but it is kind of confusing. 
But anyway, Lazarus is sitting in Abraham's bosom. In other words, he's leaning back on Abraham, and he's over in paradise, and he's enjoying the rewards. The rich man is over in the bad part, and he's in flames, and he's in torment. And he calls out across this great gulf fixed between them, and he says, Abraham, send Lazarus over. Let him dip his finger in the water and just put a drop on my tongue because I am in agony in these flames. Just a drop. Just give me something over here. And Abraham says, no, can't do it. We can't go over there to you, and you can't come over there to us. There's a great gulf fixed between us. He says, well, well at least tell Lazarus to go tell my five brothers that live at my house to not act like I did. Because I don't want them to come here. This place is a place of torment. And Abraham said, well, they have the writings of Moses and the prophets. Let them learn from them. They said, well, no, they, they might not believe that, but they'll believe if somebody is risen from the dead. And Abraham says, no, somebody raising from the dead won't change their mind if they won't believe the writings of Moses and of the prophets. What are the writings of the Moses and the prophets? It's just the word of God, right? And we see that just because somebody was raised from the dead, namely Jesus, if people won't believe the word of God and they won't believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're just going to be hard-headed. It didn't matter that, that Jesus came and uh, was physically raised from the dead and seen by over 500 people at one time. And it's common knowledge, but today we still, we still see people who reject the word of God and they reject our Messiah Jesus. But I would say, I don't want you to be in fear about death or about the coming judgment, but if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you should be in great fear. The Bible tells us when we're witnessing, some of them save by fear if you have to. Scare the hell out of them. Yeah. Really. Because if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, it's going to be a place of torment, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you're headed for the great white throne of judgment. And that is not the place of judgment that you want to go. You do not want to stand before a holy God on his great white throne on the merits of your own good works. Let's turn to Revelations chapter 20 which we'll explain in a little more detail. <clears throat> in verse 11, the Apostle John has been exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching Christ. And, uh, and it, during his time there, he is caught up into the third heaven in a vision. We don't know if it's in a vision or if we don't know if it's literally caught up into heaven but God has shown him stuff. And that's where most of the book of Revelations, if not all of it, I think, were written in these visions that the Apostle John had. In verse 11, he says, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. He said, I saw the dead both great and small, in other words, all who had died, 
standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So these dead people, these who are not, who have died in their sins, are all standing before this great white throne of judgment. And there's books written, their deeds, whether good or bad. And so God is going to open up these books. First, he's going to, probably, I don't know which one he's going to open first, but he's going to open the book of life and see whether their name is written on it. And guess what? If you're at this great white throne of judgment, your name is not written in the, in the book of life. So he'll probably say, hmm, you must want to be judged by your works. You didn't want to be forgiven for your sins. You wanted to stand upon the merits of your own righteousness before a holy God. Not smart. But let's see how you did. What if somebody were to open that book of your life? Can you imagine the feeling? Well, those books will be opened, and you'll be judged according to what they had done, according to what was recorded in the books. In verse 13, it says, The sea gave up its dead, and the dead and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. That's that second death. That's that final resting place of the dead. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life, anyone whose name was not found in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. Hmm, you really got me going now, Pastor. Thanks for bringing us in tonight. (laughs) If I hadn't brought you down enough, Yet, listen to this. Christians will face judgment too. What? They told me when all I had to do was say that prayer and I'd go to heaven. (laughs) Well, you may go to heaven, but it may not be exactly as you had imagined. Let's let's check it out. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all, and he's talking to the Corinthian church, so he's talking to believers, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So there will be a judgment for us. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So it's not just, hey, I'm going to heaven, show me all my rewards. There might be some books in And the judgment seat of Christ opened up to see whether you did good or bad with what you had as a Christian. Hmm. So Christians can't afford to play the ostrich either. Stick our head in the sand and say, I got my ticket to heaven, now I can do what I want as long as I get in. Do you know how how many times I've heard people say that, you know, they're clearly not serving the Lord, but say that they said that prayer one time and that they got their ticket to heaven and They're going to do what they want to as long as I get into heaven, it'll be all right. There's something wrong with that, ain't it? If it is true, I would say congratulations on getting into heaven. But you got in just by some, like somebody saved by fire, the Bible says. 
you barely made it in. You lost everything in the process. You took no, no souls with you. You did no good on the earth, but, you bar- but congratulations, you made it in. No rewards coming your way. See, we can't live compromised lives here on the earth. We can't say, okay, I got my ticket to heaven, but I can still live like the world and hide our talents in the earth, like in the parable of the talents. Everybody was given gifts, you know. You have gifts and talents and abilities, and you can't take those gifts and talents and abilities and hide them in the earth. In the parable Jesus told, two of them, they multiplied 30, 60, 100-fold, like we talked about Sunday or, or last Wednesday. They multiplied. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. But what about the one who took everything God gave him, the gifts and abilities and talents, and hid it in the earth? What does it mean, hid it in the earth? Didn't use it for God. Maybe used it for the world, for the earth, but didn't use their gifts and abilities for God. Where was I at? And then some Christians just give in to the temptation of sin, and they live in a habitual sinful lifestyle, which John says you can't do that. You can't sin and call yourself a Christian because it's not, it, your seed remaineth in you, it says. In other words, if there's no guilt and you can sin w- w- with unabandoned, then you need to question your salvation because I know when I sin, I know it. I know before I sin, and the Holy Spirit's dealing with me before I sin. Right? It's hard for me to sin. <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. Wait a minute. It's not impossible. You have the power to overcome sin. The Holy Spirit is in within you. If you give yourself that, that way out, then you will sin. But if you know that you have the power and, and Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave, and that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, and, and has quickened your mortal body, you have authority over sin, and you can say no to sin. Now, let's be honest. We do, occasionally, out of our own, when we're drawn away and enticed of our own lust, it says in James, we will sin. But that's on us. We didn't have to. But you have 1 John 1, 9. If you've got any brains you will quickly get back right with God. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Does that make sense? So we have the power, but we still fail. We're still human, and we're still working towards something. Uh, When you first get saved, you might have so many things that you're doing wrong now, God can't keep up with them himself. God's up here wringing his hands. What are we going to do with this one? No. No, he's not. He's not. But we're wringing our hands. How am I going to straighten all this up, you know? Just allow God. He's going to work with you. He's going to be patient. Have anybody noticed that God is patient? And he's merciful. And that's why he gave us 1 John 1, 9. Okay, I'm hoping I'm helping somebody. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. You're going to see that people do what they want to do, but they don't have to. They don't have to do the wrong thing, in other words. 
Luke chapter 12, all the way down to verse 42. And this is in red in my Bible. It's the Lord talking. He said, A faithful and sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. In other words, taking care of one another. If the master returns and finds that servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while. And he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. Oh my goodness. And the servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. That sounds, that sounds like a real deal there. These are, this, is, this is a servant of the Most High God like we are. And we know what he wants, but we don't do it. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. So he does cut you a little slack if you didn't know, but it still says you'll be punished. You should have known. It's not a... a it's not a way out of escape saying, well, I didn't know. Some people, don't tell me about what God says because I don't want to know I'll be held responsible. Doesn't work like that. He knows. He knows. So you could get punished for not doing the things that you didn't even know about. You need to get in your Bible. When somebody has been given much, much will be required in return. And when somebody has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Matthew 19.30 says, But many who are greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be greatest then. See, God judges the heart. He knows what's going on in your life. You may, on the outside, it may say, people may say, that person's not even a Christian. They don't, God doesn't, they don't know that God sees what's going on in your heart and you're doing your best. On the other hand, there may be somebody that, who looks wonderful on the outside like a Pharisee, but may be full of dead man's bones on the inside. So don't let appearances fool you. Pastor, you really got us charged up now, man. I'm so glad I came tonight. I, I should have went to the VFW and got me a beer or something. <laughs> One of the little kids came up to me before the service and said, when I get big, I'm going to give you lots of money. I said, why? They said, because my daddy said, you're one of the poorest preachers I ever heard. <laughs> that didn't happen. I was just throwing that out there to, to lighten the mood because I knew by this time we would need a little lightning. But we are going to lighten the mood because I wanted you to see the true picture so that you can see the true grace of God. I want you to understand if you find yourself 
in one of these positions. If you find yourself struggling with sin, you find yourself giving in to it and you know you shouldn't, you find yourself not using your gifts and talents and abilities the way you should, there's a word for you that will radically change everything starting now. And that word is repentance. It is an awesome gift of God. Can you imagine that we serve a God that will forgive you again? Again? You can come to him and repent after you've done it before and you did it again and you don't even believe in your own self. And he will forgive you again. Repentance is like, it's an unbelievable gift from God. Another chance. Always another chance if your heart is right. So let's talk about a better scenario than trying to see what kind of life you can get away with. Let's talk about a higher plane. Let's talk about where we live where we aspire to go. Micah 6.8 says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. See, that's all it is. Just do right. Just do right. Love is mercy. Value the opportunity to repent. Love his, his forgiveness. Live in His grace. Just walk humbly with your God. Just forget all that pride. See, that's what got the devil messed up. That's what caused sin in the garden. That's what's messed you up, led you down. Pride is your enemy. Walk humbly with your God, because you're serving a good, good father. You heard that song? It's a true song. He's a good, good father. He loves you, and he wants you to succeed. He doesn't want you milling around down there at the bottom seeing what you can get away with. That is so far below the plans that he has for you. He's just, and he is fair, He's not going to treat you wrong, and he is merciful, and he is forgiven, and he empowers us to be victorious. His plan is for you to be victorious. He has given you his name, which is above every name. He has given you his word, which is the absolute truth and wisdom of God Almighty. He has given you his blood. He has given you his very life on the cross. And he has put his spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. He has put his love into your heart, shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. He has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you need for success is in you already. The kingdom of God dwelleth within you. There is really no excuse for us not to soar on wings as eagles. He's patient. He is patient with you. He has waited you out. He has pursued you. 
He never gives up on you. He will walk each step of your life with you if you let him. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Holy Spirit is called a paraclete, one who comes alongside. He's your comforter. There's no excuse for us to fail. There's no reason for us to have to fear death or judgment. There is no reason for us to fear either of those. If we would just trust God and keep our eyes on Jesus. Our senior pastor, Pastor Vickers, he wrote me an email recently and he encouraged me three things. And I thought it was so relevant to tonight's message. First of all, Three things. If you'll do these, I think you'll be okay. Keep it simple. Keep your life simple. Give your heart to Jesus and walk it out with him one step at a time. Simple childlike obedience and faith is what God is after. God doesn't need you to be a theologian. You don't necessarily have to be a, have a Ph.D. It's not complicated. Even the children can understand it back in the nursery. He just needs your availability, not your ability. Pray, worship, give, learn, grow, and get ready to go. Those are the things God needs out of you. He just needs your willingness, your submission. Your humility. Psalms 37, 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Can you imagine God Almighty even recognizes planet Earth or the state of Mississippi or the town of Horn Lake or the house that you live in? Or the skin that you reside in? What is man that thou art mindful? Who, is, who are we that God would want to walk out each step with us? But he delights in every step of your way. He loves to be with you. It says, though they stumble, and there is your answer, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pastor Vickers is a protege of John Osteen. Most of you probably recognize the name Joel Osteen. That's his son. But John Osteen was the one who really uh, started that church, I believe. And Pastor Vickers was under his wing, much like I'm under Pastor Vickers' wing. He said, Pastor John told him a story one day. He said, I was really down on the ministry. He said, I was overloaded. I felt like the whole weight of everything was crashing in on me. We weren't growing. This was happening and all these things. And our plans weren't succeeding. And we were, seemed like we were going backwards. He said the Lord showed him a vision. And he said in that vision, 
there was a cross, and the Lord told him to pick up that cross and follow him. And as he picked up that cross, the higher he raised the cross, his feet become to, began to come off the ground. And the higher he raised that cross, the higher he went. And then the Lord said this to him, It's not my work that has burdened and discouraged you. It's your own plans and purposes. When you take up your cross to follow God, he's holding you. You're not holding him. He's not dependent on you. You're dependent on him. When you're heavy, when you're anxious, when you're worried, that's because you're putting the pressure on yourself. You're not keeping it simple. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. That's number one, keep it simple. Number two, devote yourself to God, to his people and his purposes. Devotion. Just go on and decide right now, I am yours. My life is devoted to you. I am, I am no longer my own. I am bought with a price. What is important to you is important to me. And third, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Not only be sensitive, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Stay filled with the Holy Spirit. If you don't understand who the Holy Spirit is, ask Him to reveal Himself to you. Open yourself up. If you ask for a, a loaf of bread, the Father's not going to give you a scorpion or a stone. He's going to give you what you ask. If you ask God, He will reveal Himself to you. And the Holy Spirit is the most precious gift that He has given us. God in you. So ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you don't understand the speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit, that's fine. That will be revealed in due time. But can God be trusted? Asked to be filled. And once you're filled, continually be being filled. Singing psalms and spiritual songs. Don't be drunk with wine whereas in excess but be being filled with the Spirit. He will guide you through this minefield we call earth. He is our power. He is our provider. He puts the super on your natural. God didn't intend for you to do great exploits in the name of Jesus, in the power of your own natural humanity. Come on. Is that the best we can do? we got whole denominations denying that the Holy Spirit even exists. No wonder we're not getting anything done. We will never fulfill God's will without a deep dependence on the Holy Spirit. So, if we stay simple, we're fully devoted, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, there are no limits to what we can do. John 14, verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. 
Then in Corinthians it says, but as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor hath entered even into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. See, that's going to be your experience. Your experience is going to come before the judgment seat of Christ, and he is going to look you in the eye. He's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little, enter into the joy of the Lord, where I'll make you ruler over much. Because you trusted me. Revelations 22, verse 1 says, Then the angels showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it flowed down the center of Main Street, and on each side of the river grew tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. And these leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. Praise the Lord. I bet we don't realize how many curses that we live in. Generational curses. Curses of addiction. Things that for generations past you're carrying with you today. You need to go out when you leave here, get filled with the Holy Ghost. And with power and break those curses in the name of Jesus. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And the devil has no place in us anymore. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there. That's where I want to be. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun for the Lord will shine on them. And they will reign forever and ever. And the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of the prophecy written in this book. Blessed. Your name shall be called blessed, and his name shall be in your forehead, and his light shall shine upon you, and you shall live in the holy city with the Lord God Almighty's throne and the throne of the Lamb. And healing waters shall flow from his throne. And the tree of life Healing to the nations. All things made new. All scores settled. Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. There's no reason for us to fear death or judgment if we simply keep our eyes on Jesus. Is that too hard for anyone? If I had you down at first... It was only so that I could let you see the goodness of God and contrast the glory of God against the darkness of this world and let you know you never have to go back there again. You never have to go back. So I'm in, I'm in the bio, underwater. And I'm thinking to myself, If I get out of this, 
And I'm going to get my hands around that little turkey's neck up there on that, at the truck. That'll be the end of him <laughs> before I say. And I thought about just taking a big old breath in and it'd be all over. Because, I mean, my waders were filled up with water and I couldn't hardly move. And I was running out of air. But then the thought of getting my hands around his neck kicked in and I started coming through the water. I did. And finally got a head above water, got out of that hole. Icicles already forming on my wet hair. And I worked my way up to the bank and I just collapsed on the bank. By then I was too tired to get my hands around his neck. And he come and dragged me out. And he helped me up to the truck. And I didn't hate him so bad at that point. But did I mention he was sitting there making fun of me the whole time I was in the water? Of course. Huh? That's what brothers do. I could have found myself falling out by the fires of hell that day. Because I didn't know Jesus. And it could have happened just like that. There was many other times it could have happened just like that. I'm sure there was many times it could have happened in your life like that. Don't be an ostrich. But I know, I believe most of you, I believe every one of you, if I'm not mistaken in here, have already found the bridge that leads to life. The cross. Nobody in here is intent on waiting on a cross <laughs> with their head underwater or sticking their head in the sand like an ostrich and pretending that God doesn't exist. There's nobody in here like that. I wish there were. I wish this good news was falling upon somebody's ears that, that could give their heart to Jesus tonight. And that is the importance of filling up these purple chairs. As for me, I think I'll stay on the path from now on. The path to a more abundant life. And a more abundant eternity. Father. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.